Are you guys cool if I just jump into the sermon tonight? I feel like I have a lot to share with you, and let's just, let's just jump in and get into it. Okay, so we are starting a new series-ish. Uh, it actually started last week, but Aaron Daly, if you were here last week, I was like, hey, Aaron, do you want to start us off in this new series, Life of John the Baptist, looking at calling through his life? Like, would you start us off? And I gave him some passages. He's like, thanks, Corey. I'd love to teach, but I'm not going to teach what, I, what you asked me to teach. And he did his own thing. So tonight, I have the opportunity of trying to teach you two messages in one to actually capture everything. So I just want to jump into it. It's going to be a lot of fun. But yeah, so this series is called Faceless. And like I already said, we are looking at calling through the lens of John the Baptist's life. And I, I messaged this to Aaron Daly, and I think you guys would experience this in your own places, in your own spaces where God has you. But for young adults, in my experience and conversating uh, with you guys and walking with you, and as a young adult myself, Let's just be honest, there is a lot of anxiety around calling, is there not? There's pressure from culture for you to be a certain type of person, to get to a certain type of place, and then when you become a Christian, it's like, man, I really want to make my life matter, I want to give myself to God's purpose, and then you're trying to figure out what your calling even is, and that creates confusion, and sometimes chaos, and it kind of just feels like, well, I kind of want multiple things, you know, like, God, is God calling me to this, is God calling me to that? And what I want to do tonight is two things. One, I want to ease you a little bit and speak to you from lessons that we can learn about calling through John the Baptist's life. And then I also want to maybe even bring a challenge to you and talk about um, humility. So tonight we're going to see that there's, there are two things primarily. If you are a follower of Jesus and if you want to fulfill that, the call that God has given you, there are two core ingredients that you have to have for you to make a difference in this world and to serve God's kingdom. And the first one is this, is it's listening to God, that we need to be people who listen to God. Uh, and the second is that we need to have humility before God. But before I jump into some of these things, uh, let me introduce a little bit um, of who, the John the who John the Baptist is to you. I know many of you in the room already know, and some of you in the room who are newer to the faith or not, not a Christian, you may not know who this is. It just sounds like another John, and apparently he's a Baptist, whatever that means. Uh, but John the Baptist, uh, he was the cousin of Jesus. So if you just like actually think about that for a second, if there is somebody who knew Jesus really well and knew what he was about and he sat under his teachings, learned from him, walked with him, was friends with him, John the Baptist was that person. He was the cousin of Jesus. Uh, he was also kind of, he's just like an interesting character, like just what he did aside, who he is, he was just like this weird wild man who kind of like lived out in the wilderness as a devout man of God. Uh, his wardrobe choice was camel hair. So they say what goes around comes around, so maybe at some point we'll see camel hair come back on the scene. But literally, he, he wore camel hair. His diet was uh, locusts and wild honey. You never hear people want to take on that diet and become like John the Baptist, but he just ate locusts and wild honey. That's what the scriptures say. The scripture doesn't even say why. It just says that's what he ate. So we'll take it for what it is. But John the Baptist had an incredible ministry. Jesus said of John the Baptist that there is no one born of woman greater than John the Baptist. Think about that for a second. There is no one born of woman greater than John the Baptist. 
And that's because, partly because of the role that he was given. So John the Baptist was a prophet, which means that he spoke to the people of God on behalf of God. So he's listening to God, and then he's speaking to God's people what God is saying. And uh, he was a preacher. He called Israel to repent of their sins. And he, in his preaching, he was seeking to carve and to prepare a way for the Messiah, the King of God's people, to come and establish his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So we're going to look at his life. We're going to look at what it means to listen to God in our call. We're going to look at what it means to walk humbly with God in our call. Uh, But before we do that, let's pray, invite the Holy Spirit, and then we'll jump in. Lord, we love you deeply, and we are so grateful, um, God, that we can come into your presence with gratitude, as we just sang. God, we are thankful that you are a God who is with us. God, we are uh, so thankful that we do not have to give our lives and spend ourselves for temporary things. God, you have placed on each and every one of us, especially as your people, a beautiful call to serve you and your kingdom in our own unique way, in the way that you've gifted us, wired us, the things that you are leading us to, the things that you are taking out of us in this season, Lord, so that we'd be filled with new things to walk faithfully before you. God, I pray that in everything that I say tonight, we're going to be talking about a lot of different things, but Lord, I pray that your spirit would just highlight the things in our hearts, Lord, that we need to hear. And Lord, uh, what I love about you is that you are a God who speaks personally to each of your kids in a unique way. And so God, I pray that you would speak very personally to each of your kids in this room in a unique way tonight. And so Lord, I pray that I would not say anything tonight that is not of you, and I pray that I would say everything that is from you and from the Spirit. And so we invite you, we love you, Lord, you are welcome here, and we pray this in your name, amen. All right, let's talk about listening to God. Let me ask you a question. When you think about your calling, and I'm, I'm talking very specifically to the Christian in the room, when you think about your calling, when you pray about your calling, do you find yourself telling God what needs to be done in your life for your purpose to work out? Or do you find yourself listening to God, asking him what he needs to be done for his purpose to work out in your life? The reason I ask that question is, so oftentimes I think uh, we have a deep, deep passion, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, that you want to serve God and you want to be used by God. But oftentimes, because there's pressure and culture, uh, we experience all these kind of like confusions and chaos, and we're trying to follow Jesus, we're trying to figure out our calling. And then what happens is we have like this dream that we catch from, from like the world as young adults, and then oftentimes we end up informing God on what our calling is rather than being informed by him and having a posture of listening to what he's calling us to do. Now, here's why this really matters. When you look in Scripture, all throughout Scripture, people aren't bringing their purposes to God. God is bringing his purposes to people. That really matters. All the people throughout the Scripture, if you just read throughout the biblical story, God is seeking people, giving them a purpose. You don't have people going to God saying, God, here's my life, here's what I want, how are you going to bless it? Look at, if you look at Moses in the Old Testament story, uh, God called him to lead God's people out of slavery in Egypt, and so God encountered him in a burning bush when Moses wasn't expecting it. It says, Moses, I'm calling you to lead my people out of Egypt, and Moses is like, I don't speak very well. God's like, great, I can work with that. And he, he ends up giving himself to God's call in that way. You look at David. Uh, David wasn't like, 
He wasn't like trying to climb some ladder. He wasn't trying to like grasp a call. God actually called David out of the fields and God had an encounter with David through a prophet and said, David, I am calling you to be king of my people. I am placing a call on you. David's not pursuing it. God is bringing it to him. You look at Mary. uh, God had an encounter with Mary. He sent an angel to her and said, Mary, you are going to hold in your belly the son of God, the living God inside of you who's going to be the Messiah, the king, and I am calling you to this thing. And here's why I think this really matters for us as young adults. I think there's a pattern in our lives that kind of sucks us into this pattern of telling God and expecting things from God and telling him, like informing God what we need for our life rather than having a posture of humility. Because as young adults, let's just be honest, I've said it already, we experience lots of pressure, do we not? We experience pressure from our families. We experience pressure from culture. And there's pressure to make more progress, to perform, to perfect, and to win. There's this game of life in social media, your friends, the world, every billboard, everywhere that you're walking is saying, you need to make progress, you need to perfect your life, you need to perform to be the best at what your calling is, you need to perfect, you need to win. And then what happens is when you're in that world, it creates a deep insecurity in your heart. And when that, greet, when that deep insecurity starts to fester in your heart, you start to panic, or you start to get anxious, and you start thinking you're behind, you start thinking you're in the wrong place, and you start getting confused, and then the next thing that happens is you, start, you stop listening to God. And then when you stop listening to God, you start filling in that space, and you start telling God what your purpose is, and then what ends up happening inevitably is that it produces frustration in you, impatience in you, because you're like, God, why aren't you showing up for my calling in the way that I think you should? You start getting frustrated because God's process and God's timeline is way shorter, uh, or I should say longer, and yours is like, I want this to happen now. And then what happens is all this pressure just creates fear. Let me ask you a question tonight. How many of you in your life right now would say, I am experiencing some sort of fear and some sort of anxiety around my calling. Jace in the back is, that's good. Jace, this message is for you. That was a joke. <laughs> Anyways, I remember when uh, God called me into ministry. Um, I, was a, I was a senior in high school, uh, and I would have said at that point, I, have a, I had an inclination towards ministry. Like, I wouldn't have said I wanted to go into ministry, but I just found myself like wanting to help others follow Jesus. So I remember taking some freshmen on the football team and like doing a Bible study with them on Monday mornings. I'm like, I just found myself naturally wanting to lead others, to help them follow Jesus, to be a support to them and all that stuff. But I was terrified. I was so fearful of ministry. I was so fearful of it, I wouldn't even say out loud that I felt like God might be calling that to me. And there was all sorts of reasons for that. I had fear as far as my, like, my security went, and some of you might experience that. It's like, man, Lord, if I take the step to do the thing that you're calling me to do, like, you're, you're calling me to step into a place that is unknown. And so I had, I had insecurity around finances. I'm like, I know everybody in ministry, and I'm like, that does not sound fun. You know, the lack of resources on all this stuff. And I had friends, people burning out of ministry, Youth pastors not getting paychecks, and I was like, Lord, I don't want nothing to do with that. And then it was like, honestly, I was fearful that I even had the capacity or the ability to do the thing that God called me to do. And maybe you feel like, that, like that's like you in the room, like God is calling you to do something, you're like, I literally can't do that. Like, that, that is too much pressure, it requires too much of me. 
And I remember um, I, had, I had stories of public speaking classes, and I literally, like, trying to put two sentences together in front of a room of people, I was like, I am so embarrassed. I cannot even do this. I wanted nothing to do with being in front of people, all that stuff. And so I was at my freshman year of college, and it was like midway through the semester. I went into school. I was majoring in communications and minoring in biblical studies, because I'm like, communications, the world can do something with. Biblical studies, nobody cares unless you work for a church. So I was like, I'm going to go plan B and do that route. And so, and then I was in my dorm room, and I was watching a sermon with four of my friends, because apparently that's what you do your freshman year of college. And I was sitting there, and I was watching the sermon. I don't even remember what was being said. And then I literally felt, guys, I cannot explain it. Like, I cannot explain it. And, and if you are a Christian, you know the experience of having a moment like this with God, where God just said, Corey, you know exactly what I'm calling you to do. And you're afraid. And I was like, I know. <laughs> I am. And God's like, I want you to take the next step. You know what I'm calling you to do. And so we finished the sermon. I told my friends, I'm like, guys, I just have to say this out loud right now. God wants me to make a degree change. He wants me to take a step towards this direction. I am terrified of this. I'm fearful of this. But I need to say this right now or else this is not going to happen. And so I did. And then I went into my room and I was really in the shower, and I was praying to the Lord, and I was like, Lord, if you want me to take this step, you know all my fears. You have to open up every single door. You have to open up every single door, and whatever door you open, I will walk through. Uh, Kevin P. Halloran says this. He says, if we let fear guide our lives instead of trusting in God, then we miss being led by him. Let me read that again. It says, if we let fear guide our lives instead of trusting in God, then we miss being led by him. Now, why do I talk about fear before I get into John the Baptist's life? Because when you let fear control your life or when you let it speak to you, the, the word or the voice of fear will be louder than the voice of God. And you'll start to obey fear rather than obeying God in faith. Isn't that true? When, when fear is a megaphone in your life, it can often crowd out the voice of God in your life because you're afraid of what God might call you to do. And then that overpowers God's voice and then you actually miss out being led by God. And so what we see in John the Baptist is he was a man who listened to God's voice. All right, let's jump in briefly to Luke chapter three, verses two through three. You can just track with this on the screen. It says this, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came, in other words, the voice of God showed up to John the Baptist son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. So he's out doing his camel hair, locust, honey thing, and the voice of God shows up to John the Baptist. And then in verse 3, it just says this. He went into all the country and around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now listen, this is like an introductory thing to John the Baptist's life. I literally could pause here and teach a whole message on this verse. Here's why. When God's word, when God's voice came to John the Baptist, God's voice found somebody who was listening. When God's voice came to John the Baptist, God found somebody who was listening. It said that God's word came and therefore John went. Now in the space between God's voice coming and then John going is what we call listening. And this is why I say if you want to fulfill your call, you need to have a posture of listening to God. See, so often when I talk to young adults and they, we talk about calling, it's almost like the language that we use 
is about grasping, going and getting, trying to strive, trying to find your calling. But all throughout scripture, you see, people aren't striving for callings. People aren't seeking, trying to find it. People aren't like, they're not panicking. They're not looking. Constantly, God is just bringing his word to people and saying, that's your call. Are you listening? He's bringing his word. He's saying, this is what I'm calling you to do. Are you listening? Like I said, Moses, God's word came to him. The call came to him. You looked at uh, Mary, God's word came to her and God placed a call. You look at David, God's word came and God's call came to David. And then, and then all these people, they simply listen and obey. Here's the point. The way to fulfill your call in your life is to simply listen and obey what God is currently calling you to do. The way to fulfill your call, the call that God has placed on your life, is simply to listen and obey what God is currently calling you to do. I'm telling you guys this, this will free up your life like nothing else. One of the things that I realized in my life is I have, I come into this times with the Lord where I'm just like, Lord, what are you calling me to do with my life? What is, what is the big picture of my life? And I feel like one of the things that God constantly keeps bringing back to me, he's just saying, listen, Corey, your faithfulness to the small calls over a period of time will be the thing that fulfills the big call that I have for you in your life. See, some of you in the room right now, you, you are thinking through your calling and you're just like, what is the big picture? God, what is the big picture? What are you calling me to do? And God's just saying, listen, I just want you like John the Baptist, like Moses, like David, like Mary, I just want you to listen and obey the next thing that I am calling you to do. And here's the reality. Many of you, um, if you are a follower of Jesus, God is speaking and God has spoken to you about your calling. God is a speaking God. The question is, are you creating space to hear his voice? God is a speaking God. He either has spoken or is speaking to you. Are you making space to hear his voice? The scriptures kind of give all sorts of different ways that God speaks to us. And there's specifically six that I want to briefly touch on right now. Some of you, uh, God is speaking to you through prayer. So it's in your prayer times God has been speaking to you. Some of you, God is speaking to you through the scriptures or, or a combination of both. You're, you're conversating with God. You're looking in the scriptures. Some of you, God is speaking to you through your circumstances or he's closing doors and saying you're not going to do that, or he's opening doors and saying you can walk through that. But oftentimes, pay attention to your circumstances. You get an offer for a job out of nowhere. You get an invitation to do something. You, you get a halt. God is stopping you. But God is constantly speaking through circumstances. God is speaking to many of you in the room through your desires, and not your sinful desires, but you just found yourself like, there's something in me that just wants to do this, and I just can't seem to shake it. That might be God actually desiring through you, and God wants you to pay attention to that. Some of you, God has given prophetic words. People have spoken over you in, in the Holy Spirit, things about your life. And some of you, God has spoken to you through community. You have multiple people, ironically, affirming different things about you. So here's the question. In the space that God has provided for you in your life, and in the space that God has asked you to carve out, what is God saying to you? What is he calling you to, and what is he asking you to obey? Now, I know when I talk about listening and obeying, uh, there are many of you in the room that go like, I don't, I'm not hearing God. I don't know what he's saying. I actually feel like God is saying multiple things at once. But one of the things that I've learned is, in your life, when God is saying 
seemingly to say nothing, there's typically three things that he's saying to you, or one of three things that he's saying to you. The first thing is this. If you feel like God is truly saying nothing to you, he might just be saying, stay put. If God in your life right now, you're like asking, you're asking, and you feel like you're getting nothing back, God might just be saying, stay put. Be faithful where I have you. I'll bring the next thing to you in time. Uh, He might say, just be faithful. Just keep giving yourself. Keep enduring. Keep persevering. And just keep doing it until I bring something else. The second thing that I've realized in my life is that when God seems to be saying nothing, he may just be saying it's up to you. I think oftentimes as Christians, uh, we get in this place where we're like, if, unless God specifically tells me to do something, and until I know 150% and he comes on the megaphone is like, Ray Diaz, I'm asking you to go into ministry, that we just won't make a decision and we'll sit in a place where we're paralyzed and all this stuff, that wasn't, if that was for you, take it, Ray. <clears throat> but I think oftentimes God is just saying, listen, if there's multiple options in front of you and you're praying, you're in the scriptures, you're, in, you're, you're, you're paying attention to your circumstances, you're listening to your desires, you may or may not have prophetic words, and you're filtering all those, three, all those things through community and God's word, God just might be saying, listen, it's up to you, make a decision, and I'll work my purpose through that thing. The last thing that I found helpful is when you feel like you're not hearing God's voice or you feel like God isn't specifically saying something to you about your calling, I found it helpful. If you go back to the last time God did speak to you, what did he say and did, he, and did you obey? Oftentimes, God has shut off his voice from your life, not because he doesn't want to speak to you, but because you've been resisting his voice. And God just might be saying, listen, I want you to go back to the last time that I spoke to you, and did you obey? John C. Maxwell, he says this, he says, God gives us resources according to our dreams and according to our obedience. And God doesn't give those resources until we've started walking in obedience. Uh, I remember when I was trying to discern God's voice in my call. So God called me to the ministry, and fast forward, uh, my first year of marriage was about like five years ago. I was in my apartment, and um, I was paying attention to all these things, prayers, scriptures, circumstances, desires, and literally, like, I was, I was really at this place where I was like, Lord, what do you want me to, like, do? Like, I know you called me to ministry, but I'm just kind of in this, like, awkward year of being mentored, and there's no really outlet. I wasn't in 710 at this point. I was having a mentorship year in adult discipleship, and I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing, but I just felt like there is this sense that God was calling me to teach and preach. I didn't feel like I was going to make me the best teacher and preacher ever, but I just felt like God was saying, listen... I'm, I'm asking you to teach and preach. I didn't have the language, but I, that desire was there, but I was terrified of it. And so I remember I was just sitting in my, uh, I was sitting in my family room, and I, in prayer, I was like, all right, Lord, if you want me to teach, now granted, I was in ministry for three years at this point, and I literally did nothing. I like did nothing. I sat on a couch and read books. And so I was like, Lord, if this is something that you want to do in my life and something that you're calling to, I pray that you would just show me. I don't know. And so this is what I said. I said, Lord, if you want me to preach, I pray that you would have the leaders of this church ask me to preach, and I will take that as you telling me, I want you to do this. And so I finished the prayer. Amen. I told my wife. That's what I said. I literally go to church on Sunday, and for three years, I've been asked to do nothing, and Paul Artino, who was leading 710 at the point, came up to me. He's like, hey, Corey. Hey, Paul. How are you? good. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. He's like, hey, would you ever want to teach at 710? And I was like, oh, interesting. (laughs) Uh, And I said, sure. 
And then I did it, and it was very average. And I didn't enjoy it that much. And I did it again, and it was the same. And then for two years, God's, I was like, Lord, why the heck am I doing this? I'm like, this is so hard. I'm like learning in front of people, which, by the way, have you ever tried to learn something in front of a crowd of people? It's typically not fun. And so God just kept calling me and calling me. And literally, I was like, all right, Lord, like, whatever the next thing you do, Whatever you're calling me to do, I'm going to listen and I'm going to obey and I'm going to stop doing it when you tell me to stop and I'm going to say yes when you're calling me to say yes. And I share that story to you just to ask the question, are you making space in your life to listen? And the thing that God is calling you to do, if it's causing you fear or anxiety or excitement, are you willing to obey? So do you have space to listen and what is God calling you to obey? Does that sound good? So this is a spot where I could end my sermon, but I'm going to keep going, okay? We're going to, we're going to go briefly. All right, so, so John the Baptist shows us that we need to have space in our life to listen to God. The next thing that he shows us is that we need to, like what I love about John the Baptist, he not only shows us how to fulfill our call, which is this listening and obeying thing, but he also shows us how to hold our call. And we hold it in a posture of humility. And so what I want to do, and I'm just saying, this is like going to be very reflective. We're not plumbing the depths of any passage tonight, but I want to put three questions in front of you from the life of John the Baptist that will help you determine whether or not you are holding your call with humility or you're holding your call with pride. Because God says that he gives grace to those who are humble, but he opposes those who are proud. And I don't know about you, but I don't want God opposing me in pride in the thing that God has called me to do. So look with me at John chapter 3, and then we'll look at verses 22 through 27. And the first kind of diagnostic question that I want you to see to know that if you have a heart of humility towards God in your call is this. In your call, do you have a posture of reaching or a posture of receiving? I'll explain what I mean. Look at verse Uh, chapter 3, verse 22. It says, After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John was also baptizing at Anon near Salim because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison, which we'll get to next week. And an argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. That sounds like an exciting conversation. And then it says, that then they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, so this is where we're going to start. They came to John, that's his own disciples, and they said to him, Rabbi, that man, referring to Jesus, who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this John replied, a person can receive only what is given to them from heaven. Now listen, I want you to put yourself in John's shoes. John is preparing the way for Jesus, and from a human perspective, he has this huge crowd. So he's got a room full of people, you know, people are listening and people are loving him. And then Jesus shows up on the scene, and from a human perspective, John's ministry literally starts to fail. His disciples, it says some of his disciples literally leave John and they go to Jesus. Uh, The crowds end up going to Jesus. And John, it's funny, he has this posture of receiving, not trying to reach. And he says, listen, I can only receive what is given for me. He goes, I'm not reaching for a name. I'm not trying to make a name for myself. I'm not trying to like have some sort of reputation. I'm not trying to grasp. I'm serving a name. I, I, I'm not trying to like hold on to this. And what's very interesting, it says that John, John said um, that a person can only receive what is, getting, what is given. And then the, if you go back in the scriptures and you look at 
humanity apart from God, humanity because of their broken, fractured relationship with God, instead of receiving a call and receiving a name, they end up rejecting the name and the call that God has given them, and they reach to build towers for themselves that reach to the sky. Genesis 11.4 says this. This is literally the, the peak of human rebellion against God. Like, so it's like, what is the peak of human rebellion against God? And it says this. It says, then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower, here's the word, that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. So right off the bat, we see that humanity was made by God. They were given a name, uh, and they were called to build a kingdom and, and spread kingdom culture throughout the world. And the pinnacle of human rebellion is not to receive a call, but is to actually reject the call, reject the name, and they start building towers in the name of for themselves. So the scriptures say that you, as a Christian, as a non-Christian, you can either be a kingdom builder, where you're, king, you're building towards God's kingdom, or you can be a tower builder. You can be a, ki- a kingdom builder or a tower builder. Here's the interesting thing about pride, when you start building towers in the name of yourself. The reason why that's such a problem is because the ultimate goal of the call that God has given you in your life is to honor God's name. Heavenly Father, Jesus taught us to pray, hallowed be your name. Which means when we start building towers for our own namesake, we end up competing with God. And the problem with that for ourselves is that when we start building towers and wanting to make a name for ourselves, find significance, we start measuring the value and worth of our call based on how tall of a tower it gives us. Do you get what I'm saying? So when you're serving God and you're not concerned about your name but the name of Jesus like John the Baptist, you can go, listen, I'm just, I can only receive what God has given me to do. Yes, my ministry is failing, but Christ is being lifted high. And then for us, we get our calling mixed in with our own ambition, a worldly ambition, and then God says, hey, do this, and you're like, but that tower is going to be really short. And so we spend our lives trying to build towers in the call that God has given us. Now, here's the sneaky thing. God has called many of you to all sorts of different things. I'm a pastor. God has, for now, God has called some of you to real estate. God has called some of you to business. God has called some of you to be a student for the rest of your life because school never ends sometimes. Some of you, God, God, God has called to be in IT. And here's the thing. Whatever call God has given you, the tower complex that is inside of all of us is that we'll take the sacred call that God has given us and we'll start building towers to our own name in it. And here's the, here's the secret thing that's scary about it. No one will ever know. I can have this position right here and preach and care and lead this community all to build a tower for my name. And you wouldn't know. Or I can be in this position and teach and preach and love and serve and pray so that I can make beautiful the name of Jesus. And that's the same thing for you. And so here's my question. Here's how you know if you're holding your call with humility. Are you reaching for a name in your call or are you receiving the name and call that God has given you and trying to lift up a name? Another way to put it is, what name are you lifting up in the call that God has given you? Jesus or yourself? So in your call, do you have a posture of reaching or receiving? The second thing that I think we need to reflect on from John the Baptist's life, he says this, or the question is this, Have you joyfully embraced the role God has called you to play in his kingdom? Have you embraced the role God has called you to play in his kingdom with joy? Look at verses, um, 
Look at, uh, let's see, where are we at? Uh, Verses 28 through 29. He says this. So he says, you yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah. My role is not to be the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. Now here's what's so fascinating about this. Owning your call with humility means having a posture of surrender and acceptance to any call and any result of that call, whatever might happen. And you see this in John the Baptist's life. Listen, I'm not called. My role is not to be the Christ. That's not me. My role is to be the groom. I'm the friend. I'm the best man. And ultimately what John is getting here, you see this posture of what I'm really getting at, which is contentment. He has a joyful contentment with the role that God has given him. Regardless of at beginning, everybody sees him, everybody loves him, and then towards the end, John the Baptist literally just decreases in fame and then is killed in prison. But John the Baptist has this joyful contentment that he's challenging us with to question whether or not we have humility or pride in our hearts. Here's the thing about discontentment. Have you ever examined your discontentment? and asked yourself, what is my discontentment in my heart actually saying about my heart? Here's the thing. Discontentment, ultimately, at its core, is an accusation against God that the call he's given you and what he's doing through you isn't enough. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, discontentment is like this accusation against God. It's like, God, what you're doing what you're, like, how you're using me, it's not enough. Contentment, on the other hand, like John the Baptist, he's like, listen, I'm the bridegroom. He's like, I'm just the groom. I'm the friend. I'm the best man. And he's so at peace. He's at relaxed. He's content. And, and the content person just says, Lord, I am surrendered to what you're doing in my life. I'm open. I'm thankful. I'm just glad that you are inviting me to join you in what you're doing in the world. And however you want to use me, I'm glad to be serving you in that way, but I am an unworthy servant. Thank you, Lord. One, that I get to be a part of your family and that I get to give myself to what you are calling me to do. Uh, Dennis Oakham says this when he's talking about humility, and I think it's really key. He says this, God's call to a less prestigious position or a less attractive assignment in your life might be part of a larger picture that only God can appreciate. It requires a trust in God's sovereignty to accept the fact that what appears less prestigious from a human perspective is precisely what gives me my worth from God's perspective. So we see that God has called us to embrace the role that he has given us with joy. And the last question that I think we need to ask from John the Baptist is this, is in your call, is your joy anchored in the kingdom success or in your success? In your call, is your joy, is it dependent upon your success, or is it dependent upon the kingdom's success? Look again at verse 29. I'll reread that and read verse 30. He says this, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. He says, that joy is mine and is now complete because he's giving himself to the role that God has given him. And then in verse 30, he says this, the most famous line from John the Baptist, he must become greater and I must become less. Now, if you put this story in your own world, this is absolutely incredible. Where is the joy for John the Baptist? Did you notice that? The joy for John the Baptist was his win becoming a loss so that Christ would win. 
The crowds, his disciples are running to Jesus. He is quote unquote losing. And he's like, I love it. Send them all over there. You imagine that? You're just like, you're starting up a company. It's like this other company came up and like you're losing all your business because these people are like killing it. And you're like, yes, this is where my joy is. Christ's name is, you know what I'm saying? Like it's absolutely insane. And it's funny, John's joy is not in the following he had or could have had. He had a ton of people following him. He's like, great. He has a lot of people leave. Great. He's like, I'm just here. My, my joy is not anchored in my performance. My joy is not anchored in the world's value of me. My joy is not even anchored in the, his own disciples going, you're kind of like losing. Like this rabbi is taking all of us and we're going to go with him. He's like, great. I love it so much. So good. Here's the thing. When your delight and when your joy is truly anchored in the success of the kingdom of God, rather than the success of your tower, you can truly say with all sincerity and and genuine heart that he must become greater and I must become less. Because your joy is anchored in the success of the kingdom. C.S. Lewis said this, he says, we need to learn to play great parts without pride and small parts without shame. I wanna say that again. We need to learn as Christians to play great parts without pride in small parts without shame. And is that not captured in John the Baptist's life? He played the greatest part, arguably, any human has ever played, preparing the way for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. No pride. All of his followers leave. They go to Jesus. His ministry starts to die. He goes into prison. No shame. That's called being anchored in the presence and role and joy that God has given you Because God's purpose for you can never be thwarted if you are listening and obeying. Amen? All right, I want to, as we close, I want to put one question before you. In this story that I just read, who are you in the story? Are you you John the Baptist or are you his disciples? Because what's very interesting is when you're building a tower, like John the Baptist's disciples, and you're worried about your following, your name, um you're characterized by panic and jealousy. Did you notice? John, oh, they're jealous of Jesus. They're panicking because his, his, like, their tower's falling. And they're characterized by panic and jealousy. And John the Baptist, when you're, when, you're, when you're building for God's kingdom and you're not a tower builder, he's characterized by peace and joy. Here's, the, here's I think, the invitation of tonight. Some of you, the way that you can tell if you are listening to God, obeying him, walking in humility, serving his kingdom, is if you look in your heart and you go, what do you find? Do you find peace? Do you find joy? Because you're just building for God's kingdom and the role that he's given you? Or do you find panic and jealousy? When I am in the prayer room, and sometimes I'll get up on Wednesday mornings or, you know, because I like the post-sermon blues, which is like, I wish I did it better, you know. And I find, like, panic in my heart, like, what's going on? Or I find jealousy, I'm like, oh, I'm not, you know, they're doing it better than me. Or what? And, I, and God's just like, are you building a tower or are you building a kingdom? And God's like, listen, I don't care. I don't care about the tower. That tower is exhausting you and I want you to tear down your tower and I want you to humble yourself and receive peace and joy and life because you're building for God's kingdom. Let me just ask you this tonight. Where, where do you feel like God is calling you to serve his kingdom? Right now. I'm not saying in five years, 10 years, 15 years, and 20 years. 
I'm saying today, right now, in the place that God is having you, where is he calling you to serve and to build for his kingdom? Because I'm telling you, when Jesus died and when he rose again and when he launched his kingdom, he gave you the opportunity to invest into a kingdom that is unshakable, which means all your striving, all your laboring, all your serving will literally never go unnoticed by God and it will never be in vain because God is going to use it for his purposes. Listen, if you are, even if you are a Christian in the room or even if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're not building for God's kingdom, the only other option is for you to be building your own tower. And I'm telling you this, when Christ returns, he's going to knock all towers down. So you could spend your whole life serving, giving yourself to something that's just going to be knocked down in the end. So let me ask you this, what type of witness would we be, young adults, if in your life you said, I'm committing to a life of becoming less so that Christ could become more, not Christ increase me so that you can also increase. But Lord, may I die to myself May I serve in the places that maybe you can only see, and may I serve your kingdom. And if you do that, I promise you, the world will say there's no joy in that. There's no peace in that. And Christ goes, that's where all the peace and joy ultimately is. Amen? Amen. Let's, uh, let's pray. Lord, we love you. And God, I, I pray... I pray that we would learn to play the great parts that you have called us to and will call us to, God, without pride. Um, God, if the things that we are doing and serving and giving ourselves to are noticed by people, God, may that not turn into pride in our hearts. But Lord, I know many people in the room are serving you faithfully and they feel unseen. They feel like it doesn't matter. God, I pray that we would serve in small parts without shame. God, you have placed a call on each and every one of our lives. God, you have called us to do beautiful things in your name. And God, would we give ourselves to you the only name, the name that is above all names, the name that every knee will bow before. And Lord, I just pray that you would give us um, the obedience and the repentance and the conviction to tear down the towers. Lord, we are trying to make a monument to our own name. Lord, would you humble us? And God, would we trade our panic and jealousy for peace and joy? We love you, Lord, and we pray this all in your name. Amen.